Awesome. Hello. So today we have on Ken Kelly Bramblett. Boom. She got it. Okay. So she does literally everything. <laughs> she is a trauma support coach specializing in, obviously, um, she has the general life coach certification, trauma support. She's a spiritual mentor, the host of Kelly Bramblett's High Vibe podcast. She's a law of attraction practitioner, EFT practitioner, Reiki master. You really, you do it all. And you're also an author, which is something that draw me directly to you, especially the title of your book, which is Alchemy of the Phoenix from the Ashes of Trauma to the Light of Love. I was like, okay, this lady is speaking my language here, Aww. especially <laughs> since I saw the Asui Reiki, because that's the kind I have. And I was like, I love it. I went through the little like uh, little brain path of visualizing like you doing the whole setup. And I was like, I love it. I'm so excited. So thank you for joining. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Okay. So I know there's like a lot of different things that you do, obviously. Um, but I kind of wanted to ask what opened that first door for you and what was the first door? Like what was the first part of this journey for you, the healing journey that really started all of it? Well, uh, I have to kind of go back and I tell this story quite a bit. And I don't know if you've had a chance to read my first book, Alchemy of the Phoenix, but I also share this story within that book. So going back a little bit, um, I was a victim of sexual abuse starting at a young age, again, of being groomed and sexually abused at an older age. So lots of abuse and trauma. I also grew up in a dysfunctional home like so many of us. Um, so there was a lot of trauma in childhood and, you know, my teenage years that was never really dealt with that led to what I call the downward spiral, right? Of mm -hmm. trauma, of self-sabotage, of self-loathing, of shame, of all of these things that we hold. And when we don't heal them, when we don't address them, um, what I, it's what I call that downward spiral of all those things I just mentioned. So I was definitely living that path. Um, and walking that darker path. I was addicted to drugs for a very long time, struggled with alcoholism and other self-sabotaging behaviors and had pretty much run my life into the ground by the time I was in my 30s and living what I call a, a rock bottom lifestyle. I was homeless on and off. I was in abusive relationships. As I said, I had the problems with addiction. And you know, I always had a soul understanding um, of the workings of the universe, I guess you could say, but obviously I was tuning out those aspects of my higher self and I was really just in this human experience. I was having a struggle and trauma and heartache and grief and pain and all of that stuff. And so because I did always have that calling, I would consistently try to get my life on track. And it was like what I call this two step forward, one step back process because I really wasn't doing the deeper healing work. I was mostly focusing on, okay, let me get to A and quit drinking, which is all fine and good. However, it, when you're just focusing on the addiction and not, okay, what brought me to this place? Mm -hmm. What brought me, what is like needing to be filled within me that I'm trying to fill this void with? When you're not asking those questions, that work, um, going to those meetings or focusing on these addictions can only take you so far in my opinion. And mm -hmm. so because of that, I, like I said, I would get ahead, quit drinking for a little while. Life would get on track. I would feel good. But because I was still having all of this trauma stored in the body and the mental body and the emotional body and the energetic body, I would end up falling back and really nothing was getting resolved. Um, and then it was, in 2016, I was in another abusive relationship at this time. I had just had, you know, a crazy stream of debauchery that had, you know, brought me to this very vulnerable place. And I was journaling and writing affirmations. And across the page, you know, it just came. I wasn't willing it. I deserve to be happy. Mm. Simple, simple statement. But something in that phrase triggered this deep knowingness that inside I didn't really believe that. And it still gets me emotional when I tell the story, I tell it all the mm -hmm. time. But I knew because of the emotion that showed up, there was a part of me that didn't believe it that whole time. Mm 
And it was this part of me that didn't believe it that was keeping me stuck. And the emotion that hit me when those words came across the page leveled me to the floor. I literally dropped to my knees and started screaming and crying and grieving and sounds were coming out of me that sounded like a wild animal. Mm -hmm. So much release, you know, 30 something years of release coming out in that moment. And that experience was the turning point for me. Mm -hmm. Finally, I realized there's deeper work that needs to be done. So the first step was I started doing my own healing work, obviously, long before I ever started trying to work with other, or even imagine that I'd be working with other people. It wasn't even one of my yeah. I just knew that for myself and for my children, who at this point were in their teenage years, I'd already lost so much time with them. I just knew that I, for that first time ever, did deserve to be happy. And I was willing to do what it took to make that happen. And I started actively working on that with that intention. And it was a long journey. It wasn't like, oh, 2016, I'm healed. No, I mean, it was a continuous bringing myself back, bringing myself back, failing, quote unquote, if that's what you want to call it, but returning to that mission and picking myself back up and realizing any progress is progress in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And so life went along and I'm on this healing journey and things are getting better and better. And I'm learning more about myself. I'm learning more about my spiritual beliefs and all of these different things. And I got to a really great space at this yeah. point. I had attracted at the time um, a healthy partner, what I perceived to be like the healthiest I'd have, you could say. In hindsight, I can see even that relationship still had some elements of dysfunction but at the time i mean there was no abuse there was mutual respect in a lot of ways so it was like a very nurturing relationship that really gave me some space to grow within that and so i started getting back to my writing and writing my blog and I, you know it all started out with me making jewelry crystal jewelry i love and it i love yeah. it i make crystal jewelry too i love it yeah, I was wire wrapping and I was selling stuff and that kind of was putting me in contact with people who were interested in some of these same things that I was and on the similar path. And I was following a woman named Emma Mumford, who's a pretty popular um, author, influencer, law of attraction practitioner in the UK. Mm -hmm. So I've been following her for a while. And one morning she wrote a post that said, do you want to be a spiritual author? And for whatever reason, spirit spoke to me very strongly and every hair on my body stood up and I was covered in chills. And I was like, okay, I hear you. That's mm -hmm. my calling card. I'm supposed to pay attention. I, and I'd been far enough on my journey to understand that. And so I have no idea what I was going to write about, but I immediately reached out to her and I said, I'm interested. And she said, great, get me a book proposal, get it turned in and we'll go from there. So I, of course, run to my computer. How do I write a book proposal, first of all? Because I have no mm -hmm. idea. And also, I had a conversation with spirit, with God, with source, whatever you want to say. And I said, okay, if this is something you want me to do, I'll do it. But you got to tell me what I'm supposed to write about. And within one hour, the entire outline for my book, Alchemy of the Phoenix, mm -hmm. was in my head. And I was ready. And I had sat down wrote out the book proposal, told kind of a little bit backstory of um, the specifics of my abuse, sent it over to her. Uh, she immediately got back to me and said, I'm very intrigued. Let's set up a meeting. We did a virtual meeting. And by the end of that week, I had a signed book contract. Um, so through writing Alchemy, that's really when it opened the door for me doing this work on a larger scale. And mm -hmm. While I was in the process of writing that book, which was a huge healing experience, I was writing that in 2000, uh, I believe the end of 2018, beginning of 2019. And obviously just going through all that was like another huge, massive layer of healing that was happening. But I also realized the gravity of like the work I was doing in writing that book and that this was going to go out to the masses. And so I started feeling like, you know, I'm writing about trauma, but all I really am writing it about on this topic is like how I healed my trauma or how the processes I did. And I started feeling really called to begin getting those certifications. And mm -hmm. that's when I started um, certifying for all these different things. And like the Reiki for me started really because I wanted to be able to do self healing for myself. And when I saw how 
supportive, loving, beneficial that was for the healing process. I was like, I need to continue this because it's something I knew I wanted to do with my clients as well. Mm -hmm. Um, which yeah. is why even now I'm so passionate about certifying my trauma clients, at least for level one, because it's such a beautiful tool they can give to themselves. That's not constantly asking them, confront your trauma, confront your trauma. It's a yeah. beautiful way of working through the trauma. So it was really just a domino effect of, you know, things that aligned that brought me to where I am as these things go, right? They kind of tend to unfold in that way. Yeah. And there's a long of the short of how I got into all this and kind of got to where I am too. Boom. So I want to say, first of all, thank you so much for being so vulnerable and so open and honest about your experience. And I want to say from someone who hasn't known you through your entire journey, that from an outside, I'm sure a lot of people are very proud of you. Um, <laughs> so congrats to you for all of that. And I feel like sometimes the universe really puts people through obviously a lot of stuff so that you can help other people so that you can give that gift not only to yourself but share it with others and i think it's beautiful that you are giving that to other people and through that process you're still healing yourself like writing the book i'm sure it's going to open up a whole new world for certain people um but through that you also got to heal yourself too which is amazing so with the book is it like um is it focused on your journey like the story that you told us before or is it kind of like do you add like tools and exercises like how is that book kind of formatted and expressed so yeah alchemy is kind of expressed in two different ways which is interesting uh the first it's written in two parts so there's a part one and a part two and part one is my story with trauma because i really felt like i wanted to share that story first of all for myself to give that a voice, that experience, because it had been something that was not talked about in my family, almost brushed under the rug. And it was mm. that was an empowerment piece for me. I wanted to vocalize what had happened. I, and in some ways, looking back, if I'm being honest, a big part of that too was because I wanted my family to be confronted with this truth. Because um. I felt like they should be. And I felt like it had been minimized and brushed under my whole life. And I was like, no, this is a big deal. And I forgive you guys, but I also, there was something about almost like wanting to hold people accountable. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily the right energetics, but it also helps those relationships heal in so many ways because finally, yeah. um, there was a level of accountability. So the first part is my story. I have been told it reads a lot like a novel. And in fact, I had one of my clients refer to my family as the characters in the book. And I was like, oh, you mean like my actual family? I was like, those are real people. But the first part, it definitely reads like a story because it is my story, but I have heard that a lot. And then we get into part two and I really start breaking down the ideologies that I followed throughout my healing journey, a lot of it is based on law of attraction work, but I'm also a shadow work coach. So those things mm -hmm. are not about spiritual bypassing. It's not about not acknowledging. What it's truly about is actually healing those root issues so that you can actually be high vibrational. You're not just pretending to be, you're mm -hmm. not mantra on your way into being high vibrational. You're living it, you're feeling it, you're healing it, and you're raising that vibrational frequency. So there's tons of exercising, journal prompts, ideologies, all of those things in the second part. Um, so that's kind of how the format of that first book is. I love that. When I was when I was doing all my research, for some reason I thought that the shadow work was a second book, but I love how it was just like part one and part two. Like this is my story and this is what can help you. Um, so for someone who like doesn't really know anything about shadow work, how would you describe it on a more basic level? And how do you think, maybe like give an example of how it helped you or maybe helped your clients? Because I know some people hear shadow work and they're like, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. So how would you kind of break that down? So there's so many, first of all, misconceptions about shadow work, first of all. And I think because of a lot of like the mainstream spiritual movement, there mm -hmm. can be a lot of confusion and hype and like misconceptions. But really, you can just take out the word shadow and just say inner work. And that's all it is. And basically, the type of shadow work that I practice um, is really just based on a, a observation of the subconscious mind 
right? The things, if you think about, we only have awareness of about 5% of our thoughts, right? But every single thing that's happening in our world is being created by our thoughts, which mm -hmm. means 95% of our thoughts that we aren't aware of are what are making up our current reality, right? So in that shadow aspect as well of these thoughts that we aren't aware of, there's our limiting beliefs that we've learned through our own traumatic experiences that we've been telling on repeat. There's conditioned thinking, things that we were taught growing up that maybe don't align with us anymore, but mm. because it was something that was drilled into us. And we see that a lot with older generations. And a great example of what conditioned thinking looks like, if you look at the way that generations before have treated discipline, you know, even in my dad and mother's generation, uh, it was, if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. So actually hitting and beating and spanking as a form of discipline was accepted by a society entirely and, and it's completely unhealthy we know that now it's a terrible way to manage and and treat little people any people violence is never the answer but that's like a really good example of the way conditioned thinking that is passed down generationally intergenerationally um can take hold it's our trauma our wounding um it is the seat of our ego, even though our shadow isn't the ego, but it's the voice of our ego. It's the voice of our wounded inner child. So it's all mm -hmm. these parts of ourself that are telling stories that maybe aren't supporting us. So the whole idea about shadow work is learning to uncover those subconscious narratives so we can tell a new story that supports us so we can heal those things and actually i don't know if you're aware of this but for anyone who is interested actually i have two other books and i have the shadow work uh journal and guide for beginners which is an introduction to discovering healing uh your unconscious self and this really explains um in a really simple way, the processes of shadow work and has a ton of exercises um, to get people started. On I love it. I love it, especially like centering the beginner part, because I think it's really hard for people, especially with the overload of information that we're given on an everyday basis through social media. It's like, I'm working on my inner child, but do I need to work on my adaptive child too? And do I need to be doing my shadow work when all of it is kind of under one umbrella it's all about just working on yourself working on your wounds being aware turning that attention inward and saying okay how is that affecting my present moment but it does get so overwhelming so i think sometimes we just need to knock off like all that we're seeing on an everyday basis and just go back to the basics right. like what what is the issue that we're presented with in our everyday life Mm -hmm. Where does that come from and how are we going to try to work through it? And of course, it does get deeper and deeper as you go through it. But for beginners, it's so it can be so easy to get thrown into that spiral. And then it can turn people away from doing it, too, because it's like there's too much to do and I'm overwhelmed. So I'm just not going to do it. Mm -hmm. So it's always better to just start where, wherever you think you're meant to start. And then everything else just naturally unfolds from there. And I think, too, with anyone who is currently doing this work, has done it, or is interested in, I think the most important thing going into it is we have to enter into shadow work processes with radical self-acceptance, self-love, mm. and compassion. Because the first thing that happens and the reason why we avoid it is because we perceive these parts of ourselves as being shameful, right? There's something wrong with me, but really we're just human and we're having a human experience and your human experience and my human experience and anyone who's listening, your human experience does not make you less than, less than worthy of love, less deserving of anything. It just makes you human. So when we can look at these things within ourselves and accept it with love, the work actually gets a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you need to also not, not go into that comparison and not go into, yeah, like exactly everything you said. One thing that I thought of when you were speaking was people feel shame because they often don't feel worthy of what they feel because of the comparison. So someone might be listening to this and be like, well, I didn't have all of your experiences. I wasn't in abusive relationships. I didn't have drug addiction. So I'm not worthy of like, I don't need to work on myself then mm -hmm. because it's shameful for people to think like, I accept I have, I have issues, even though I don't have issues that 
are on this like grand scheme, you know, and they're, they're not issues. They're just like a part of this experience that we're meant to go through. They're part of our soul's lessons that are meant to be uncovered and worked through. Um, so it's accepting like this part of my childhood did impact me and it's not at fault of anyone. It's not at fault of me. It's not at fault of my parents. I'm not looking for an issue. I'm just accepting it and being like, Hey, it's okay. It's right through it. It's so true. And also I think what is true in that is that none of us are getting out of this human experience unscathed and we all have childhood trauma. Now you're right. It's not always abuse. It's not always so evident or obvious, but when we start looking at our behaviors today and our cycles and going back to that conditioned thinking, we can almost always trace it back to, even if it's one experience we had in childhood maybe you were bullied maybe someone stood up in front of a group to do a speech and they completely bombed and from that moment forward they started telling a story i'm not good at public speaking i'm scared you know and now mm -hmm. they can't stand up and speak in front of people so i think that's the thing and i talk about trauma comparison a lot as in we need to not do it you know no because my worst trauma that i experienced will feel in my body and in your body, the same as your worst trauma feels to you. And mm -hmm. really it's about staying in our own lane, right? And figuring out our own stuff and not really being so worried about someone else's experience ultimately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um, as a coach, I know that you, you do have clients. So how do you deal with being potentially triggered from stories or situations that your clients are going through? And, finding that separation of, okay, this is their experience, even though it may arise feelings within you. So, you know, because I do work in the trauma field, I hear some pretty intense things. Yeah. Um, I mean, even, yeah, I'm just like, wow, like how is this person even alive? Definitely I do hear those things. But, you know, one thing I've been shown and I've come to understand is that I was meant to kind of walk in both worlds, both the shadow and the light. And mm -hmm. I think spirit protects me in those ways. Like for whatever reason, I really don't get triggered. I'm able to come into the space with people and really just hold a neutral space for them, um, which I feel like makes my work very potent and powerful. And I'm not getting out of those sessions and just being like, oh, I'm so drained, I'm so whatever. Like, in fact, I a lot of times even will feel energized from the work we're doing. Oh. It is all forward-facing work. Um, and so, you know, I guess I, I, it's not something I really had to deal with, believe it or not. I'm just not that easily triggered. And a part of me really feels like our society today is too triggered. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're too triggered. Like everyone's walking around saying we need trigger warnings for this, trigger warnings mm -hmm. for that. And in truth, it's nobody's responsibility to speak or behave or act in a way that you find pleasing. If you're mm -hmm. feeling triggered, then that's your work to do, not someone else's words to censor, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think having that kind of attitude about that really, and perception is another thing that really helps me in that area. Mm -hmm. Wow. I really like how you brought that up because I, the first thing I thought of was always on social media, there's always like trigger warning, which can be very helpful. But at the same time, it is our own work. Even being in a relationship, you can say this thing triggers me, but it, it's not entirely always their job to like stop that. It's it's my job to how am I going to handle it? So what advice do you have for when you're in a situation? Because for me, I, I experience it often where I'm like, ooh, I know I'm triggered right now. Mm -hmm. And I know it's I know it's my shit that I need to do, but I'm just caught up in like this. <sighs> And I, I don't know how to get down from it. So what advice would you have for when you are actually triggered and trying to, to work on it at the same time? Well, there's a couple of things and I want to back up just one step and mention saying, and then I will give the tip for that. But also yeah. I just want to add when we're talking about triggering, true trigger warnings were created for people who have actually been traumatized, meaning they're suffering with post-traumatic or complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Meaning mm -hmm. that if something happens, let's take a war vet, they hear an explosion, they're gonna have flashbacks. Only 18% or so of people who have actually experienced trauma become quote unquote traumatized and experience these types of post-traumatic or complex post-traumatic stress disorder symptoms. 
In those cases, trigger warnings are very important. Yeah. And that's why trigger warnings were created. So I'm not necessarily trying to disregard our trigger warnings. But mm. as we're saying, now we are overusing the word and then someone annoyed me and now I'm triggered. Um, someone said something I didn't like and that's really triggering. We saw so much of this in 2020 and continuing on with the politics, with the everything that happened with COVID, where everybody was being quote unquote triggered. And that's where we've like really... I feel like gotten where we're misusing the word. So there is a place for trigger warnings. And I just wanted yes. to add that um, in there, but it, but again, it's way misused. So now going to your question, what can we do when we feel quote unquote triggered, basically annoyed, activated in some way, right? Ego triggered, whatever that is. Ego activated is kind of a better word for what I call what we call triggering ego. activated. Mm-hmm. Um, so the best thing we can do obviously is pause right? Let's stop. So often when we are quote unquote triggered, the first thing we do is react. And so we snap back. We put in our two cents. We feel like we need to be heard. We need to prove someone wrong. We need to show we're right. That's all ego crap. And the ego is great. We need to love our ego. Like we need to love all aspects of our shadow. So it's not about bashing the ego. It's about working with your ego, observing your ego, loving your ego. So when we are take pause in those moments and ask, first of all, why do I care what someone else's opinion is? Why can other people not have a different opinion than me? How boring would this world be if we were all walking around thinking, acting, and feeling the same? The contrast mm-hmm. is important for our growth as human beings and for this whole human experience. So I think understanding that and then looking when you take that pause, what is this really showing me about myself? And I'll give you an example of what this looks like. There was a time when I was in my more unhealed version when I would see people dancing on the internet. We see it all the time. It's become even more popular. People have the cameras, they're dancing around. There was a time when I would see this, I would be so quote unquote triggered and I would start into a narrative. Who does this person think they are? They're so annoying. They need so much attention. What a narcissist, judgment, 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 right? Yeah. So once I got to a place along my healing journey where I was able to use these tools and I started taking pause and saying, what really bothers me? Why the hell do I care? Well, what I was able to discover what bothers me is here is somebody being so authentic without care, and I'm so afraid to show up in that way. And yet my soul desperately wants to show up vulnerable and authentic, Mm. right? So it was all about me. And when I started giving myself permission to show up in that vulnerable and authentic way without fear, all of a sudden I didn't give a shit what other people were doing, dancing. Mm -hmm. I didn't care. In fact, now I love to see it. And that's how much we can shift those perceptions. So that's an example of how when we take that pause and we start to just ask questions, what is this showing me? Why is this really bothering me? Mm -hmm. There's part of me that doesn't feel whole, healed, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. Working on that aspect. And then from that pause place, you can actually choose to respond instead of react and we'll yeah. choosing to respond we're aligned with our higher self instead of our ego so we're going to respond from a more loving compassionate accepting space mm-hmm. i love everything that you touched on and i feel like that can only happen if you are aware of your thoughts and you're able to like self-reflect mm-hmm. and be be honest with yourself mm-hmm. the other day i was in a situation where i just felt myself being a hater like i was sitting there i'm like i caught myself doing it and i was like like where did these thoughts come from what is spiraling like I was able to take a second and be like okay I'm feeling something uncomfortable and then I was like what am I thinking about I'm like oh my god I'm just sitting here projecting my shit onto a bunch of people that don't deserve it they don't deserve it they literally are just all the way over there and I'm sitting here with my arms crossed judging for no reason like snap out of it and the second I was able to catch that I was able to be like okay we can I'm now I'm not triggered, triggered. I'm not irritated. I'm not annoyed. I'm not judging them. Mm-hmm. I see them. I see them as a person. I see them as me in another body and I'm okay to do that. And it was a really nice experience to like one, catch it in the middle of it mm-hmm. and two, to reflect and be honest with myself and not just let myself not justify my thoughts and be like, well, you're right. She is doing this. She is right. doing that. She is acting this way. <laughs> but to look at me and be like, no, you are doing that. You're the one that's acting that way right now. So it was a really nice experience. Um, so I loved how you touched on all of that. Um, 
So I want to talk so much about the law of attraction stuff because <laughs> that's such a hot topic. And I don't know if you've seen it like trending everywhere. Lucky girl syndrome. Oh, no, I haven't. Oh, my goodness. So <laughs> I feel like maybe it's because of like my algorithm and stuff. Um, so it's all kind of stuff like that. But lucky girl syndrome has just been coming up all over my feed. So it's basically like a law of attraction thing in a very TikTok-y, Instagram savvy way of expressing it. Uh -huh. Like if you tell yourself you're lucky, um, you know, if you tell yourself that you're lucky and you see how lucky you are throughout the day, you're going to become lucky. Uh -huh. um, but from a law of attraction standpoint, like, can you explain how that energetically works? Like the whole law of attraction, because I feel like manifestation right now is something that can either be overhyped or just people shun it and they're like that doesn't work manifestation isn't real so can you kind of break down the basic law of attraction for us yeah so law of attraction has been something i've been pretty passionate about for a while even when i was in that two step forward one step back phase so it's something i've always had an understanding of for some reason like as a young child i already understood that if i wanted something believed in it visualized it that i would make it happen mm. and so it was like this knowingness that i had at a very young age and then of course now i've gone on to certify as a law of attraction practitioner it's a big part of my work and there is a lot of controversy around law of attraction mainly yeah. because a lot of people don't understand it and because there are a lot of people who are teaching it from that standpoint of fake it until you make it and that just doesn't work and the reason why is because when we're talking about law of attraction it is not about what you're thinking necessarily it's about how you're feeling because mm -hmm. how you're feeling is your vibrational frequency right so if we're feeling bad if we're feeling shameful if we're feeling depressed if we're feeling down from that low vibrational frequency, it's going to be really hard. You can say a million affirmations a day. You can write on your vision boards and create all your things. But if you do not have the energy to back it, you're going to feel like law of attraction doesn't work for you. Mm -hmm. And that's where shadow work, I feel like, really comes in. Because as I said, we actually begin to embody high vibrational frequencies through doing that work. So I think the first step with law of attraction is really looking at where is my vibrational frequency on a more regular basis, meaning mm. day to day, how do I feel most of the time? Am I walking around? I'm so tired. I'm so burned out. I'm so busy. Complain, 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 complain. Or are you focused on all the good things that are happening? And here is the truth. And it's not about bypassing. We live in a human experience of contrast, meaning there is negative and there is positive and that is present in every moment that you're alive in this physical experience it's your choice where do you want to focus and both are true both are true there's mm -hmm. not one that's true and one that's they're both there but it's about where do you want to put your focus on and where you put your primary focus on it's going to begin to snowball in that direction so gratitude is a huge aspect of law of attraction love gratitude yeah what's working for you because i could sit here right now with you and tell you 25 things that aren't working for me i can mm -hmm. only sit here and tell you 25 things that are so which one feels better for me to focus on well mm. the, one, the things that are working feels better so based on that inner guidance system of what feels good, that will continue to lead you down the road of raising that vibration, raising that vibration. And from there, yes, you can consciously manifest. And this is what I like to tell people. You can, don't have to believe in manifesting. It's like not believing in oxygen. It doesn't really freaking matter if you yeah. believe in it. It's there. It's there whether you believe in it or not, right? So what it really is about is do you choose to consciously manifest or do you choose to let your subconscious manifest for you, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what it really comes into. And I choose to consciously manifest. So I don't know if that answered your question, but yeah, basically it comes down to vibrational frequency. And from there we can play with all these other tools. It's like I was listening to Abraham Hicks the other day and they said something super like important, which is the mantras and affirmations are great, but what's more important is how do you feel while you're saying them? 
Mm -hmm. You get yourself in a really good feeling place. You wake up, you do your gratitude. You think about how thankful I am to be awake. Look at all these things that are going well. I have my health. I have all these things. You get to feeling good. Then you start your affirmations. Then you have the vibrational frequency to back them. Mm -hmm. Now, we hear a lot about aligning with what you're trying to manifest. And I think that confuses a lot of people. How do I align with wanting to manifest a million dollars? Really, you just got to feel good about it when you're thinking about it. And that's how mm -hmm. we align with anything. So if you want to manifest a million dollars and while you're thinking about it, you think, oh, that's so unrealistic. It would never happen to me. It seems too attainable. That vibrational frequency is not going to get you the million dollars. But when you think about it, if you're excited. Oh, that sounds mm. fun. That's juicy to think about. That feels good to think about. Let me fantasize. Let me daydream about this really good feeling thought. Then you become a vibrational match for what you're trying to manifest. And it's really as simple as that. And like everything, I think we've overcomplicated these processes. Feel good. Get your vibrational frequency up. Think about what you want. And then release it after that. Don't harp on mm -hmm. it. Because when we begin to obsess over it, then all of a sudden we've switched from looking at it from a, a mindset of abundance to looking at it from a mindset of lack, longing yes. and lack. So I love that. There's so many things that go into it, especially what you talked about with the shadow work, because in order to believe and get into that feeling state of I am capable of making this amount of money, I'm capable of getting this job. You have to do the work of letting go of self-doubt, mm -hmm. understanding where your self-worth is at. And all of that comes from, from what's inside. Mm -hmm. You can't believe that you can do all of these grand things if you're not looking at the part of you that's that's telling you you can't. Mm -hmm. So you first need to work on, work on that. That's something that I've been doing is letting go of self-doubt so that I can feel excited about those things. Mm -hmm. Because... My motivation definitely goes up and down, but I've always said, but my consistent is up. But what I really need to do is just stop the self-doubt and the motivation is going to keep keep going up. Mm -hmm. um, and another thing is what I've been doing lately is setting an intention in the beginning of my day to, I mean, I guess it depends. I change it every day. I try to have a new one every day, but I feel as though the days where I say, I want to find the good in my day. I want to be grateful for even the most annoying things of my day. I want to say this was part of what I was supposed to do, or I'm so grateful to experience this. I'm so grateful that this is a lesson. Mm -hmm. And of, of course, in the beginning, it's a little hard because you're stuck in the everyday, like, oh my God, this is so annoying. You're stuck in those like routine complaints. Right. But when you actively set the intention to today, we're not doing that just for today. Mm -hmm. We're not doing it forever just for today. That's what we're going to do it makes it so much easier and you go through your day so much lighter. Yeah. Like I, I work at a restaurant um, besides the other stuff I do. And sometimes I go in there and I'm like, I'm just going to like, enjoy it. Like, I'm just going to, if someone's being rude to me, I'm just going to say, all right, it, it doesn't matter. I'm grateful that I'm here. I'm grateful to have a job. I'm grateful I'm making money. And it completely changes my experience. Mm -hmm. I can go in there and have, the experience of dread and I don't want to be here and this is frustrating and I should be somewhere else in my life or I could show up and be excited and grateful and happy about it. Mm -hmm. Regardless, I'm going to be, I'm still showing up. Yeah. I'm still showing up. So it's how, how am I going to be there while I'm in that experience? Yeah. Me showing up to work is not going to change. I have a job. <laughs> like I have to go. Am I going to go there and be grumpy and angry and frustrated and mad? Or am I going to be there? And, eh, I'm grateful. I'm excited. I'm making money. <laughs> A really great and easy mantra I love for exactly what you're talking about is I'm satisfied. And if you mm. walk through your whole day saying I'm satisfied and looking for reasons, why am I satisfied? I'm comfortable. I'm warm. I'm cozy. I'm surrounded by people. I'm laughing. I'm happy. Whatever that is. Mm -hmm. But working with that mantra, I'm satisfied all day long, really helps to bring us to the exact place you're talking about. It's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And then also leaving the leaving the comparison out of the equation we lose our satisfaction a lot of the times because we should be where where other people are well i see her doing this i see them doing that doesn't matter what they're doing if, if you're happy and you didn't have so much information coming at you and so much comparison so easily accessible then you'd probably be a little happier more satisfied because you're not doing the comparison and then again comparison falls into 
self-work and shadow work and yeah. all that fun stuff. <laughs> Something that really helps with the comparison, or at least has helped me along the way, is when I remember how expansive we truly are. Mm. Remember that we are on a soul journey, not a life journey. Why am I rushing? Why do I feel like I need to be anywhere other than I am? I have an eternity to keep on doing this as long as I want. Anything's possible. And when we start to see ourselves as the expansive beings we are, I feel like comparison starts to fall away so easily because it really doesn't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. We have a knowingness that we're exactly where we're supposed to be and we trust that journey. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. You make me feel so much more uh, like safe. <laughs> like hearing you talk, I'm like, yeah, you're right. I could, I could take a chill film all good. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So, what would be, from your experience, your favorite, uh, like healing moment? Not with yourself, but with someone else. Like maybe, maybe a Reiki session that you left there and you were like, holy crap, this just happened. What was your favorite one? So I don't know if I have like a fa one favorite healing experience, but I will say my favorite type of healing to witness that I work with is definitely in my trauma recovery. Mm. When I see women that come to me that are sad, depressed, downtrodden, have no self-worth or just being eaten alive. And the transformation that I see with the women I work with over the eight weeks that we work together it blows me away. I see women go from that to happy, joyous, believing in mm -hmm. themselves, having major breakthroughs that are changing their lives. One of the very first clients I worked with um, was in that space. She was just so negative, like such a negative person, doubted herself so hard on herself. She is now doing wellness coaching. She's out there freaking killing it. I'm so proud of her. And now she is offering her light to the world and helping other women as well. But I think it's those experiences and then seeing the women I work with go on to do these things that are so amazing to step into their power and then step into that role themselves of holding space for others. And I think that is like the favorite part about everything that I do. Yeah, I love that so much. It has to feel so rewarding, I'm sure, because it seems like that almost mirrors your journey a little mm -hmm. bit. Like you turn the, the shadow into light. And that's such a beautiful mm -hmm. thing. Um, I can't remember what I was going to say. I had something good that I was going to say and it slipped away <laughs> from me. Um, I don't remember where it went, uh, but I'm sure it will come back. Um, oh, I remember. Okay. I was listening to one of your podcasts and you talked about uh like love and light right now being almost uh like pushed away in the spiritual world so i kind of wanted you to expand on that because i have my own kind of like opinions but i guess i want more clarity of like you explaining that yeah so i'm going to get a little woo with everyone here on this to begin this explanation but i personally truly believe that right now energetically we have entered into a time and i don't want to call it a war but where there is almost a battle of dark and light happening that's mm. why it's so important for us to be doing our inner work we don't even have to go out there and help the multitude every time we choose to do our healing work we're supporting the collective right that's mm -hmm. why it's so important we even hold our own light because i believe this firmly and in all this, I think that in this spiritual community, there is a group of people, ideology, I guess you could say, of people who have followed this idea that love and light is the bypassing we're talking about. It's only honoring part of us. And there is this whole angry undercurrent of we need to scream, we need to fight, we need to be angry. You know, it's that mm -hmm. very destructive energy, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, to where a lot of people, as you say, are bashing those who are love and light almost as if it's less than. And the truth of the matter is, it's like I said earlier, it's all there. Where do you want to focus? I yeah. can promise you for a 100% fact that if you stand up and preach and scream at people, you will change zero hearts through that way. Mm -hmm. Not how we change the minds. That's not how we inspire people. We don't force. It's that masculine, almost toxic masculine mm. energy of I'm going to force this on you. I'm going to force you to believe in me. I'm going to scream my points. I'm going to be angry about it. It doesn't work. 
It changes yeah. the hearts of no one. All it does is feed your ego and make your ego feel good. Yeah. We inspire people is that's how we change them. And you inspire people through compassion and love. And in my personal opinion, there is no other path other than love. We came from love. We are love. Love is what's more important. Love is what we came here to learn. Mm-hmm. And anything in contradiction to that, in my opinion, is not love, obviously. It's not valuable. You know, so with this being said, this doesn't mean we don't honor our human experience and our human emotions, but we don't have to unpack and live in them. We don't have to wallow in our anger. It's yeah. good to be angry. Let's examine our anger. Sometimes our anger is justified, but let's deal with it in a healthy way. You know, let's honor our sadness, our trauma, our anger, our jealousy, all of these things. Let's honor it all. Let's love it all, but let's work through it. How do mm-hmm. you use it as a stepping stone instead of something that keeps you in this low vibrational frequency of wallowing in it, you know? And it's almost mm-hmm. like a self-indulgent aspect of the ego. Mm-hmm. No, I love that because what I've seen is it feels like the the groups that almost shame, you know, love and light feel as though the people that preach love and light disregard the raw and the real and the intense and the the rough emotions. But I don't think that that's the case. I think they just coexist and we can use love and light to see, to heal and to respect Mm -hmm. the anger, the hardships. And it's not that like we're choosing not to see it, that we're blind to it. And we're just like toxic positivity. Yay. Love and light. (laughs) No, I think it's more of, no, we're, we're embracing and we're welcoming and we're, we're feeling that with love and light because we are love and light. That's, that's who our souls are. We are love and light. Right. So we're seeing the hard, real things. We're not disregarding them, but we're seeing them and we're accepting them, but choosing to view it with love and not, not like shame and anger. And we're not Mm -hmm. getting mad at ourselves for, for the raw and tough emotions that we feel in the pain. We're not Mm -hmm. putting it away, but we're saying, Hey, I see you. It's okay. We're here. We're wise now. We can we can work on it. We can protect ourselves. We can go through it, not being like tough about it. And I think that's where there's like a little bit of a not a miscommunication, but maybe a misconception. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely a disconnect there for sure between that kind of school of thinking and the other. There's definitely a disconnect. And again, I think it comes down to judging and assuming, but really even coming full circle to what we were talking about earlier. If you see someone talking about love and light, if you see someone expressing their joy, if you see someone talking about the things they're grateful for, and that makes you feel a certain way inside coming full circle, AKA triggering you again, that's your own inner work. Not that they need to change because what they're doing is working for them. That person's feeling good and happy. It's you that's not feeling good. So you're the one that needs to change something, not that person, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think sometimes people see that as like being fake (laughs) or like you're putting on a mask. It's like, no, (laughs) it's not. It's not. It's it's the expression of I've already felt the dark. I've already felt that. Yeah. But now I can express outwardly what I've what I've turned it into and what it's what it's now manifested as and what it's become. What it's turned into for me and it's just like, I'd rather be sharing. And I'm sure all the people that are preaching that and sharing that are, they would just much rather, you know, show that part than, than the hard stuff. Because why are we, why are we going to put anything out there that isn't love? You know, ultimately, if someone's saying something that you don't like in that capacity and they're preaching love and light or teaching love and light, don't work with them then. If it doesn't resonate, (laughs) like not everyone's going to resonate with anyone really we're all you know we're all different again going back to that we're all different and so like it's okay if someone doesn't resonate with you but it doesn't make you right and then wrong and vice versa we're all on our own path and whatever path you're on it's not aligned with mine but it's definitely yours and it's also none of my business mm-hmm. this is where i'm at and and i know that for that reason my work and the way that i do teach and the way that i show up to the world is going to attract people that need that medicine and if it's not resonating with you 
I'm not for you and that's okay because I definitely am not for everyone and you're not for everyone no one is for everyone and yeah. I don't want to be I'm here to bring in the people that I can truly help because ultimately my work is not about me anymore it's about the people I'm helping yeah that's something I definitely learned when I ventured out into Instagram and my first like there were some people that commented some just like outrageous things um and that's when I was like yeah no this is where I set up that like understanding of that is them and this is me because mm -hmm. people we're not for everyone we're just not and no one is for everyone that's just how it is and if they are then then that's something else but yeah, <laughs> yeah. um and my big question that I always ask at the end is if you were in the room full of literally the entire world and everyone's listening, everyone's engaged and ready to hear what you have to say, what would you share? The main mes message that I have to share in my mission statement is always that I am here to give hope to the hopeless. Mm -hmm. There's no experience, there's no trauma, there's nothing that you've ever done. There's absolutely nothing that A, can't be forgiven, that makes you unworthy, or that's blocking you from living the life of your dreams. That is available to everyone, and there's not a single thing that you've done or that your past has held that keeps you from that. And that's really what I want everyone to understand is that we're all worthy of experiencing joy on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. So there's hope for everyone. I love that. I think the world would be feeling seen and understood and really warm inside. Um, I know I am. So thank you for that. Um, where can my listeners and potentially your listeners, where can we find you? Where can we find your book, your blog, everything? So obviously my website is a great starting place and that's really easy www.kellybramblett my first and last name.com and that's going to be a hub for basically everything but you can also just throw my name in a google search and that is going to bring up like all the interviews i've done with other people like this one my books all of that stuff but really starting out my website is great and of course i'm on social media everywhere um, I am Kelly Bramblett on Instagram. Just search Kelly Bramblett on Facebook. I just started my TikTok, so I believe that's under I am Kelly Bramblett. Ooh, but yeah, that's a quick search of my name uh, anywhere, basically. I put everything under my name to make it really easy for people that way. Mm -hmm. So yeah, start at my website and go from there. I love that. Thank you so much. I definitely want to check out the Shadow Workbook and just get a little more of like maybe centering for myself to maybe close in on a direction. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you gave so much good insight, so many good thoughts, definitely going to be implementing law of attraction a little more. This was my sign to really uh, continue viewing my days with gratitude and abundance and nurture that feeling within. And I'm just so grateful and I'm really genuinely so uh, proud of you as, as just a human for overcoming all that you have and getting to the place where you are and choosing to shed your light with other people oh, thank you so much thank you for having me <laughs> thank you have a good rest of your day <laughs> you too. just end it and then